You know, I've always thought that you're very unique and special. No, this isn't a weird motivational speech. This is to let you know that our sponsor today is Pro Bike Gear, and they have introduced a new range of saddles, which are combined with a dedicated online saddle selector to help you, a unique person, find the saddle that works just right for you. So you can find your perfect saddle in just a few steps with the renewed Pro Saddle Selector on pro-bikegear.com. And now, on to the Velo News Tech Podcast. Hello, Velo News listeners. This is your friendly neighborhood tech editor, Dan Cavallari, coming at you with another Velo News Tech Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about wheels. Now, we all know that disc brakes have sort of taken over, and we're all going to be riding them in a few years. Well, that doesn't change the fact that we're all still, a lot of us anyway, are still on rim brakes. And in the course of researching rim brake wheels, I kept coming across these two little letters, TG. And I wanted to find out what those letters meant. Well, it turns out those letters stand for glass transition. Well, that doesn't clarify much, does it? Well, I wanted to talk to somebody who was an expert in wheel design to find out what glass transition was all about. So I spoke with Scott Nielsen, Vice President of Research and Development at MD Composites, to find out how glass transition matters, especially when it comes to braking on a set of rim brake wheels. Heat dissipation is a big issue when it comes to carbon rims specifically. And so glass transition comes into play when wheel designers are trying to figure out how to make a wheel that will stop effectively, but also stand up to the rigors of long-term braking. Here's what Scott had to say about glass transition. So let's start with what I found out TG stands for, which is glass transition. Uh, That doesn't tell us much of anything, does it? Uh, So Scott, uh, what the heck is TG? What is glass transition? And how does it relate to carbon wheels? You bet. No problem. So first of all, I'm not not a chemist, right? So I've been uh, working with composites for quite a while. And um, so, you know, learning how to use these materials and use these properties to produce the right product, you know, for the right application is is what we've focused on, especially here at MB. So when you talk about thermal glass transition temperature, that is the temperature at which the material or the resin goes from a solid and changes state to a liquid. So a carbon fiber rim is very hard, right? And um, at some point, you can heat it up enough to where it becomes soft. So that is the thermal glass transition temperature. Mm-hmm. And so when we talk about going soft, are we talking about the carbon itself or are we talking about the resin that's within the carbon? Yeah, so, you know, when you look at a composite material, it's made up of a resin and it's made up of fibers. And there's lots of different types of resins and there's lots of different types of fibers. And as you combine those, right, the science behind producing the right product for the right application is, is really understanding how to utilize those materials. And so um, the resin and the fiber go together, and they work together to make the, you know, what we see in a carbon fiber wheel. And um, so, yeah, it basically is the temperature at which the resin starts to soften um, and become flexible and and even at some point turn uh, to liquid. So that sounds like... Uh, a bad thing if if a wheel yeah you bet wheel starts transitioning <laughs> uh, to to a liquid essentially what what's the possibilities there what can happen to your wheel if if the grass excuse me the glass transition temperature gets too high so there's lots of different things that could happen one the rim could actually change shape right um, which would not be good 
um, and especially at that localized braking surface where you're applying the brake um, on the rim. And so really, you know, TG is a material property, the same way tensile strength and compressive strength are material properties. Really, the conversation should be about um, service temperature, right? Every material has its service temperature. And with um, carbon fiber rims, a manufacturer such as Envy has to take into account the material properties to make sure that we're meeting the use case of our customer. Mm -hmm. um, so thermal glass transition or the TG or thermal glass transi transition temperature is one of those properties that we take into account as we're developing a wheel, right? And we're looking at the demands and the use case of that product. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, if, if you have somebody who doesn't understand um, composite materials and doesn't understand how to apply those composite materials to produce the right product, then... Yeah, it can it can be a, a very bad thing. Mm -hmm. And I actually I just realized that when I asked you that question, I, I think I, I misspoke a little bit. I said what what happens when the glass transition temperature is is too high, uh, and I think, okay. I think what I meant was what happens if it's too low, if it's if it's turning to liquid at a temperature that's not very high. Right. Right. And right. Right. And Sorry. Just, no. No. And that's fine. I mean, that was my. Uh, it just occurred to me that. Uh, you, you kind of want a higher glass transition temperature, but there's trade-offs, correct? There are. You bet. There's a lot of trade-offs. And so, you know, in composite materials or in these resins, um, to achieve those higher um, glass transition temperatures, there's more functionalization that happens within the resin, which means um, there's a process that, that these resin chemists and resin companies use to add in different um, chemicals or things like that that will increase the service temperature or increase the glass transition temperature of a material. But there's always trade-offs and there's compromises. So as you're increasing one property, you're going to decrease another property. So it's a matter of finding a balance and finding the right material for that application. Um, so it's understanding, you know, how the product is used. It's understanding the the demands placed on the product by um, the end user, and then being able to design and create a product that has a, a safety factor that's well above what the users can apply to that product. So, so if I'm a customer and I'm shopping for for carbon rim brake wheels. Uh, is it possible for me to go online and say, oh, this, this wheel has a, a TG value of X, whereas this one has a TG value of Y, obviously X is better? No. No, I don't think you, you can um, without truly understanding what types of materials the companies are using. And I don't think that companies readily um, publish that type of, of information. Right. And that's so to me, I think... Yeah, I, I think it's a matter of, of um, one, working with reputable companies that have been in the industry long enough to understand how to make the right product, mm -hmm. right, and how to make a product that can withstand the demands that you'll place on that product as you're using it. All right, let's take a quick step back and distill what we just learned. First of all, your carbon fiber wheels are obviously not made exclusively from carbon fiber. There's other things called resins that are essentially, for lack of a better term, the glue that holds your 
carbon fiber together. And it's that resin that can heat up and transition to a liquid. And that's where you will see failures in a wheel. So engineers basically have used uh, resins with higher uh, glass transition temperatures. Well, that's all well and good, uh, but there's trade-offs. The trade-off there is that your wheel can become more brittle, and so it could also be more prone to breakage. Also, your braking performance can suffer. So that's why we've seen things like textured brake tracks to sort of address that that problem. You can use a, a higher glass transition temperature resin and still get some braking performance. But it's a balance. It's a very fine balance, which is why engineers work so far, hard to find that that middle ground. Are you starting to see why disc brakes have become so popular? talk about the the factors within a, a wheel system and i say system on purpose because it's not just about the rim what what are the right. most important factors in a wheel system that influence uh where you land in terms of uh a glass transition an ideal glass transition temperature when you're developing a wheel well again one of the great things about envy is the fact that we have um, engineers that not only use the, are avid users of the product, um, but also are great engineers from a design aspect and from a manufacturing aspect. Um, Envy manufactures 100% of their rims in Ogden, Utah. We have a manufacturing facility here, and um, we manufacture the rims. So that means the engineers have the ability to go down onto the manufacturing floor every day and understand the manufacturing process. So. Whenever you're developing a carbon fiber product, whether it's a frame, whether it's a handlebar, whether it's a wheel, um, there are it's more than just doing some calculations on a piece of paper and um, coming up with this optimal design, right? The engineer has to understand the material. The engineer has to understand the process that you will use to, to shape that material into the final product. And then, of course, um, there has to be some good design criteria behind that. So they have to be a good enough engineer to understand, okay, here's the demand, here's the use case for this product, here are the temperatures that this product will be used at, here's the maximum temperatures this product would ever see, and now I need to make the right material selection, I need to use the right process to manufacture that material um, to get the right result in the end that that will produce that product or the right product for the customer. So I think that's one advantage that we have um, within the bicycle industry is that every day we we understand the process. And if if there's one of those three things that you don't fully understand or comprehend, if you don't fully understand the material that you're using, if you don't understand the process that you're using to shape those materials and you don't have good design principles, um, you're going to produce a product that could potentially have issues. Mm-hmm. Is that why uh, a lot of brands now have their own proprietary carbon uh, carbon brake pads uh, to to for sure to to develop that in conjunction with whatever resin you're using? Yes, and you know it's similar at Envy. We have a, a brake pad that that uh, we require our customers to use with our rim. So. A few years ago, we developed um, a textured brake track, and this textured brake track actually um, gives you 30% more braking power in the wet and in the dry. Um, and so, to to bring to get the full advantage of that um, that benefit, 
Um, and that, that aspect of the wheel, um, we've developed a brake pad that works with that, that technology. So not only does it work with the system, the resin system and the material, but it also works with the textured brake track that comes on an NV wheel. Mm-hmm. And it allows, um, it allows you to have a, a, a product that performs superior to anything on the market today from a, a braking power standpoint and then just um, confidence in knowing that, hey, when I pull on the brake lever and I'm going down a huge canyon pass that, um, or a huge mountain pass that I know I can have confident that, confidence that I'll stop and my brakes are going to work and that I can get to the bottom without any issues. Sure, sure. So when I, when I envision you guys doing your testing for this in-house, I just, you know, I, I just assume that you guys have Mark Cavendish on a set of rollers with his brakes on, pedaling his heart. <laughs> What we do is we find the biggest guy in the building. No, I'm just kidding. We find the biggest guy in the building. We take him up to the steepest mountain right. pass and we send him down. No, <laughs> no, we actually we have a, a test that we've developed in the house, and that test um, allows us to really run the product up to a level that a customer could couldn't produce. Right. Mm-hmm. So we we run it to a certain wattage. Um, and we're putting enough watts into that wheel that we know that, hey, this is well beyond what a customer could put into this wheel. Mm-hmm. So when you, when you do that test, do you also do it with non-Envy brake pads to see the difference, uh, how it affects the glass transition? You bet we have, um, we bet, and, and we've done that. And again, you know, when we talk about glass transition, really it's it's understanding the temperature that you're that you're getting the wheel to when you're when it's under braking. So it's it's understanding the service temperature, it's making sure that we have a material and a brake pad and a system that will um, that will work within the parameters that we've set for the product. Sure. So recently, I'm sure you saw it, there was a, a video going around recently, uh, a company did a wheel test in which they basically, they got all the most popular wheels, they put them on a, a rotating uh, uh, drum and applied the brakes until they all failed. And what, uh-huh. what was interesting to me about that test, uh, I mean, whether you're, you know, you ha- you can have your own uh, uh, opinions about whether that test was reliable or good or whatever, but what struck me about it was uh, understanding what actually happens to a wheel when it fails, because it's it's, yeah. it's not just a matter of heating up the rim and then it, it you know, delaminates and you can't break it, it. There's a bigger process. And one of the things that I, that I was struck by was that as you heat up a rim, you <coughs> mentioned earlier that it, it change, it can change shape. And the, one of the reasons it can change shape is because people forget that there's a lot of air pressure, uh, in your tire mm-hmm. that's pushing your rim essentially outward. So yeah. when your rim softens, uh, and that, you know, your tire is pushing outward. That's one of the reasons that a rim can fail. So that's certainly one of the reasons that glass transition temperature seems important. Um, how has that knowledge since the introduction of carbon rims, you know, years and years ago, how has that knowledge informed wheel design over the course of years? We've seen, you know, in races, we've seen people's wheels blow up. And yeah. wheel manufacturers have to say, see that and go, oh, boy, we need to figure this out. How, how did glass transition temperature factor into that development over the course of years? So there's, there's multiple ways to go about this, right? So understanding, again, the use case, understanding the energy or the temperature that a customer can put into a wheel um, are all important factors. 
when you're looking at developing a new product. Um, one thing that is, is critical um, is understanding service temperature of a material, right? So thermal glass transition temperature is one, one piece of the puzzle, and there's more to it than that. Um, like I said, it's understanding how to layer the, the material, how, where, how much material to put in a certain part of the rim to stiffen up those vertical walls. Um, you know, there's, so there's a lot more than just that property of thermal glass transition temperature. Mm -hmm. um, there's the whole design aspect of how we're using the materials. There's the um, design aspect of, of the angles and the thicknesses and where we're putting material. So really when you start looking at thermal glass transition temperature, it's just one element of creating a, a final product um, that, that gives you a wheel that you know you can have confidence in. And, and um, so over the, over the years of developing product at Envy, you know, we've learned a lot of, of different things. And we've learned that, you know, as you stated, thermal glass transition temperature is just one aspect of that. Um, making sure that you're using the right fibers, making sure that you are, you know, using the right process. And that process is yielding a product that's going to give you the service temperature that you need um, to, um, to perform at the, at the level that our customers expect it to. Let's, let's talk just briefly about the term that, that you're using, service temperature. Uh, yeah. Am, am I correct in assuming that that essentially means finding that perfect, that balance between, you know, uh, a temperature that's too high or too low as it relates specifically to that wheel's application? Yep, it's exactly. And so it's, it's designing the product so that um, the temperatures that you are achieving as you're braking are not exceeding the the mechanical properties of that product. Mm -hmm. So if and I those, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say. So if I it, it, there's obviously we've talked about this already. There's trade offs, right? If you get the glass transition mm -hmm. temperature too high or too low, uh, we sort of talked about what happens if the glass transition temperature is too low. You can you know your wheel can soften and and deform or even break. What happens if it's too high? Am I just going to be too awesome and you know going too fast? <laughs> like why why not just why not just go super high so that the wheel doesn't melt? No, that's a great question. So um, there are limitations to how high you can go with certain types of epoxy resin systems. And then once you get beyond the current temperature ranges that, that the companies are using today, you have to go up to even a different type of, of, of resin system that is it's not necessarily an epoxy, and it, and it brings a lot of complexity into the manufacturing process. Um, so there are, you know, there are materials that you can um, use that would would probably give you a higher glass transition temperature. Um, but these materials, um, these materials are they, they just become very difficult to manufacture, and you would probably have other issues mm -hmm. um, from a strength standpoint or, um, you know. Right, because it can whether be, it's a, a it can get it can get stiff and brittle, right? It can crack. Is that yeah, right? yeah, yeah. What about, yeah, so it's it's that's yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say, what about braking performance? Uh, if your glass transition temperature is very high to resist that uh, melting point, uh, what happens to braking performance at that point? I mean, of of course, the higher, like I said before, the your service temperature or the temperature that you want the wheel to work within 
is made up of more than just glass transition temperature. It's also made up of the strength of the materials that you're using and other, um, other design aspects. And so having a, a higher glass transition temperature, um, while it seems like it would be a good thing, there are limitations of what we can achieve with the materials that exist in the marketplace today. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about resin quickly, because I think uh, that gets lost in the conversation whenever we talk about carbon. I think uh, there's, a, there's a misunderstanding about what carbon really is and how we construct things out of carbon. And one of the major components of a carbon frame, a carbon wheel, is, is that resin. What exactly is a resin? So a resin, it's an epoxy resin, usually made up of, of different chemicals that produce um, the, the structural properties. So the structural properties of, of a composite material are made up of the fibers, which drive a lot of your tensile strength and and compressive strength and, and things like that. And then your resin also aids in that because the resin is what's holding all those layers of fiber together. Um, and so there's different toughening agents. There's different additives that, that these um, companies will put into the material that give you um, the toughness, that give you the service temperature, that give you the all-around um, performance that we that we talk about in, in those composite materials. Mm-hmm. So, so, so we're not talking about just tossing carbon fibers in with Elmer's glue. This is, this is science. This is uh, yeah. really well formulated yeah. to make sure that it's safe and that it, it functions well. Yep. A lot of smart people that are really good at chemistry, <laughs> you know, and, and at, at a basic level, right? If you go to the hardware store and you, you, you maybe you, you broke something, you broke a dish at home and you're going to glue that back together and you're going to use a, a an epoxy, right? Mm-hmm. Like a five minute epoxy or a, you know, they have different, I'm just going to throw different epoxies, <laughs> right? Yeah, I would too. <laughs> but let's say your kid breaks their favorite toy and you're going to glue it back together. Mm-hmm. Um, basically that two part epoxy is very similar to what you would use in a, in a, um, in a, in an epoxy resin system that we use, um, in our materials today. They're, um, activated by heat. So once they start to see temperature, they start to cure. And so the the material, when we when we get the raw material in, it's very soft. It feels kind of like a, a piece of tape. It's a little bit sticky. You you know place that into the mold, and then you apply heat and pressure to push all those layers of material together and um, to cure and harden the resin. Okay. And so there's that a recipe involved in curing the resin. They, they can also provide you with um, the right properties. And so if you're not curing it using the right um, cure profile or the right process, then that can also change your properties as well. So it's important to understand how to use the materials um, and how those materials are cured. How long does it take to, to build a wheel uh, in this way in, in terms of uh, laying the carbon, getting the resin in, curing it? Uh, what does that process look like? Um, so it's, it, it, it's a very, you know, our, our wheels are handmade. So we have, um, layup technicians. Some of our layup technicians have been here since the beginning or the founding of the company and they've continued to lay up wheels and they've done that for the last 11 years. Um, so it's been pretty, pretty cool to see these guys kind of grow up through the company and continue to love doing what they're doing. And so they take those raw materials and they place those raw materials into the mold. 
Um, once that's done, those molds get um, cured. Um, you apply heat and pressure, um, and that typically would go anywhere from 20 minutes to an hour, you know, depending on what you're looking at. And, uh, and then from there, the, the rims are demolded and um, we clean those up. We don't paint our wheels at Envy. We, we have a philosophy that the function um, is a function-first philosophy. So we want you to have the ultimate performance in, in wheels. And so we don't do a lot of, of filling and painting, um, which is what has become the standard in the, the marketplace today. Mm-hmm. Um, so we really have to um, work hard at making sure that as you, as you make that rim and as our operators and the lab technicians are, are laying up those wheels, that they're following a specific process. And as those wheels are cured, that we follow a specific process. So the end result is a beautiful, raw carbon wheel. Mm-hmm. Um, and each of those wheels can have a, a different, you know, signature, you know, quote unquote, where, you know, no, there are some things that because it's a raw wheel that we don't paint, you know, you'll see some some different things that come out in those wheels that kind of give, Envy wheels, the, the unique characteristic that they have. Mm-hmm. Uh, so here's, here's sort of the million-dollar question uh, since, you know, we just talked about a pretty fascinating subject as it relates to rim brakes. We're seeing the proliferation of disc brakes now. Does TG, yeah. does glass transition matter anymore? Not necessarily, because you, I mean, it, it always matters to a certain point, right? Because you're going to, at some point, leave your bike in the back of your car in in Arizona in the middle of the summer, and it's going to get hot, right? Mm-hmm. So I think to a point, you have to understand, again, the use case and how we're, you know, um, how those wheels are used. Every, you know, there's a million different ways where you can apply heat to a wheel, and it, it's not only from braking. Um, so it, it does play a role, but it doesn't play as significant as a role um, as it would in a rim brake. Um, but there are other characteristics that we have to understand um, to make sure that the wheel performs um, to that use case and to that customer expectation. Mm-hmm. So it's not as relevant, but still, it still matters, I guess. Is yeah, it does. Yeah. You bet. Yeah. Okay. Because, yeah, exactly. Do you see, uh, and this is sort of an off-the-wall broad question, but do you see uh, the future of disc brakes essentially eliminating rim brakes altogether? You know, it's interesting. Um, You would think that, uh, but I think there's still a group of people that really love a lightweight bike that has, um, has a rim brake. You know, there's kind of the traditional road cyclist that loves uh, rim brakes Mm -hmm. and, I think to some extent we'll probably see a certain number of, of rim brakes stick around for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the, the things that, that we've looked at as a company when we initiated this textured brake track was how do, we, how do we produce a better experience? Like how do we give our customer more confidence in braking? And uh, definitely in giving somebody 30% more power, um, it – it gives those people that love to ride a rim brake bike the ability to continue to do that longer, right? Yeah. Because that product doesn't become obsolete as fast as it would be as if it didn't have that kind of a technology. Sure. To me, uh, as somebody who rides a lot of different bikes, a lot of different styles of bike, 
uh, as part of my job. Uh, at this point, it to me, it seems like a no-brainer to go disk. It's just it's better stopping. Yeah. It's better uh, modulation. It's more reliable. You know, I, I still like a rim brake. It's it's fine, but the disc brake seems like it's really just heads and tails better. However, there has to be some pretty unique challenges in developing a disc brake wheel. Uh, you know, if you're eliminating the glass transition problem, what what, what other difficulties or, or uh, challenges do you face uh, when developing a disc-specific wheel? Yeah. So I think making something that um, is... You know, especially when you start looking at gravel and these other applications for a disc brake wheel, I think it's important to understand, again, the use case, right? Where is the customer riding the wheel? How, you know, if we're riding through potholes, mixed surfaces, um, what are the tire volumes that we're using? Um, what are the types of pressures that we're running in our tires? So understanding all these different characteristics, yeah, definitely pose some challenges in understanding how to create a structure that can meet the demands of anything that your customer will throw at it. Um, so, yeah, understanding tire volume is, is critical. Um, understanding pressures, all those things are really tie into how to formulate the right product. Mm -hmm. do, uh, do, do the braking forces uh, on a disc brake wheel uh, differ from those of a rim brake wheel? You bet. Yeah, because now if you think about how those loads are being translated from the where we're applying the brakes to the ground, it's a whole different path, right? And so understanding lacing patterns, understanding your hubs, and understanding the structure of all those other components now um, all take, you know, all are a part of creating that system that's going to perform um, the right way, you know, mm -hmm. and make sure that you're having a great experience on your bike. Right. So, uh, you know, the, the name of your company is NV Composites. It's not NV Wheels, right? Yep. So uh, my, my guess, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but my guess is that you guys have experimented with other carbon projects, other carbon components. Uh, if that's not true, feel free to tell me. But I, I, would, I would think that that would be sort of one of the things you'd be interested in. And, you know, we've seen things like carbon rotors uh, uh -huh. hit the market uh, with pretty mixed reviews. Are there other applications where glass transition becomes important uh, in the bike world? Will we see reliable carbon rotors or other uh, moving parts? You know, it's a, a great, we're always, we're always, unfortunately, we have more ideas than we have people to work on them. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we're always looking at new applications. We're always looking at new materials, new processes. And yeah, I think, you know, as the composite industry and the material technologies continue to advance, I think what we'll see is more opportunity for composites in the bicycle products that we love and use today, mm -hmm. um, for sure. How about that rotor? Are we going to see a, a, an NV carbon rotor someday? You, you know, it's it's hard to beat a steel rotor. You know, <laughs> we tried it. We've tried aluminum, uh -huh. right? And aluminum is a great. An aluminum rotor is a great case of not producing a product that met a service to, that didn't have the right service temperature. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. And um, but but you know, I think as material technologies advance, and I think as we um, as we as we start to um, as, as companies start to make available these new material technologies, I think there's a lot of a lot of opportunity for us to 
to grow those lightweight products that we all love and want to use. Mm-hmm. As as I'm uh, listening to you talk about this, uh, I'm staring at a cover of our most recent issue, uh, which is uh, Sepkus is on our cover on a climbing bike, and uh-huh. it's, it's a great little <laughs> visual for me to to think about other things that spin on the bicycle. Um, yeah. <laughs> And, and how those those uh, things that spin all have to have some sort of resistance to heat. Uh, and it, it makes me wonder why we haven't seen things like carbon cassettes or chain rings take, you know, take off mm-hmm. or carbon bearings or carbon whatever, uh, anything else that spins on the bike. And, and you know, I, I think what it boils down to, and correct me if I'm wrong, is is that just sometimes, you know, some materials are absolutely fantastic for one application and just not good at all for another. Uh, is that a good explanation as to why we haven't seen any of those types of things? You know, you are, you're right on point uh, and it's a great explanation. I think, you know, as we're developing new products as designers and as engineers, there's always the right material for the right application. And as you stated, you know, some materials are great and they have great properties for certain um, products and certain applications, but they're not so great in others. And so, you know, it's always finding the right material for the right application and being able to understand how to um, effectively apply those materials and their properties to get the best result. So, yeah, you're you're exactly right. That's that's the first. <laughs> I'm right about. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> if you read the Facebook comments, that's definitely the first time I've ever been right about something. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so is there anything I'm missing, any question I'm not asking that's relevant to the topic at hand, which is glass transition temperature? Did I miss anything? No, I don't think you did. I think you, you covered things very well. I think, um, again, it's, you know, as we covered, it's just one of those properties that helps us understand how to make the right product. Mm-hmm. It's just one of many, right? Right, right. And that's the great thing about composites, you know. With a composite product, it's hard to separate the material from the process and the design because they all work together so so closely. And so understanding each of those material properties and how to use them as we're developing these new products is, is critical to, to making great products that, that, that will just wow our customers. <laughs> 